Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. And welcome to the Stitch Please podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork, and I am talking today with the creative genius behind So Much Soul, and that is Cecily Havamana, who is a designer, a creative, and a small business owner who owns and operates the So Creative Lounge in Mount Rainier. And we are very glad to have her on the program. She is here with us on the heels of a phenomenally successful conference. And so one of the things I wanted to talk about, this is for our Blacktober episode, where I like Blacktober is like the month of October. I call it Blacktober because I just think it's clever. But all my months are Black. Like all the months are equally Black on the pot. It's Black April, Black May, Black June. But, you know, Blacktober has kind of become something that every that I've been doing for the last couple of years that allows me to kind of highlight folks in the community that are doing something really special and interesting. And you are clearly of that caliber. So welcome and thank you so much for being here today, Cecily. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad and I know you must be exhausted, but I wanted to talk with you while the conference was still fresh in your mind. Tell me a bit about what made you decide to host a conference. I mean, I think the idea came from expanding on our membership programs. We started our membership program in May and that that stemmed from us moving back from, or as a result of the pandemic, right? So we used to have a lot of classes. And as you know, our, our most famous classes are Sip and So DC. And when the pandemic hit, all of that basically had to go away. From that, we started, our community just started growing virtually, like bigger and bigger and bigger. And I just wanted to provide or do something that was virtual with no like limitations. You could do it in your home and do it in, in just like a fun way. But a lot of people think of this. A lot of people say, oh, it would be nice to like virtually sew with other people. And oh, this it's one thing to have the idea. Yeah. It's another thing to tell other people about the idea and then you start doing all the work to make the idea come true. So how many folks did you have enrolled when it was all said and done? How many folks were enrolled for the conference? It was a little over 10,000 that registered for the conference. I mean, I just looked at the numbers yesterday and there was about a thousand people that logged in on Saturday and a little under a thousand on Sunday. It was definitely a good number of people to turn out and I was excited to be able to host it and, and have that many people enjoy it, the work. The program was really beautiful and I wasn't able to attend all of the events, but for the parts that I saw, I mean, your own history, the way that you talked about the scholarship program, the way that Erica was talking about is certain like tips and all these things that kind of help you level up your sewing and Monica with the pattern match. There was so much. It was so much. The zip bag, I saw that. It was so much good stuff. And what I appreciate was how you were able to not just have it be like a regular old sewing conference that you might have heard of or seen about, but you made it distinctly about community and how you define community. And also from your experience as an alum of a historically Black college of Howard University, and that that also shaped, I saw the slideshow presentation that you did, 
Yeah. All the famous, not all of the famous, but you mentioned some and how they relate to questions of the arts, etc. It was just really very beautiful. Can you talk a bit about anything that might have surprised you? I think it was the impact. In my mind, I thought about, you know, this is, is an important event. I think people would enjoy it. But people really saw even past my vision of what I wanted for the conference. It meant a lot to me. But when people can see like, and it's not just, you know, what's happening on the surface level, but the spirit that brought it together, because there was a lot of things that I didn't necessarily feel like I thought on my own. I felt like it was, it came through me. People felt that. And then people felt it even through my own mother, Mama Fia, who did the um, presentation on the meaning of African print fabrics. So there were people were in the chat like, this feels like church. And I'm like, yeah, because this is the true story that needs to be heard in terms of, you know, where this fabric comes from, why we're using it and, and what it means. So let's talk a bit about some of the projects you had people doing. People had a chance to choose from a variety of projects they might have worked on. I think I think on Friday night, Nikki Griffin did a bralette workshop. And then, I mean, of course, you might have to consult your notes. I mean, I... No, no, no. No, I was just going to show it because I have the bralette that I made right here. Oh, look at that. Good. Ready to go. Oh, I like the shoulder on that. And then, you know, in the back. Yes. Yes. Very nice. Mm-hmm. That's the one I made with her own pattern that I encouraged Nikki to do because she wanted to use somebody else's pattern. And I was like, I'm not interested. Why wouldn't you? There's nothing wrong with saying that. We get to choose. It's yeah, a yeah. conference. You get to this. There's a reason my organization is called Black Women Stitch. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's nothing wrong with saying this is this is who I am. Yeah. So you very kindly told Nikki that she might consider developing her own pattern so that we can support her business and not someone else's. And that's what she did. She got it together and the pattern was great. I got, followed the size chart and made it exactly oh. it perfectly. And yeah, and so she's planning to launch it. I think October is like bra something. So yeah, she's Brattober. It's Brattober. Okay, Brattober. Blacktober is, is everything. There's so many Tobers. Right, right. So she's planning to launch that next month and her new bra pattern. So she pre-launched it with us, of course, and then she'll she'll officially launch it next month. Because it's like a wonderful workshop. It gives her a chance to like troubleshoot. It fits straight size, great for you. But what about about someone else? Was it something that needs to be tweaked? In an environment of of love and care. Mm -hmm. And not just kind of throwing it out there. And I wanted to mention, I wanted to ask you about something because this is, we talked earlier, we did a live prior to the conference. You were saying that, and you don't have to give names, but you were saying that you were approaching some other sponsors and then like something happened and you were like, I just don't know. I want to make sure that this is more about us. Can you talk a little bit more about that decision process and how challenging it can be at times for Black small business owners to receive and give support to other Black business owners? We spent a good amount of money on on marketing the conference. And when you're doing and allowing people to be sponsors of your event, you're allowing them to piggyback off of what you've done, right? So then that becomes one of the focuses or who you're highlighting in there. When we were choosing our sponsors, and I only asked particular companies and particular businesses to be sponsors, Right. Um, I thought about, you know, who's been there along the way for me. 
African Ancestry is one of those companies that she started wearing my clothes back when I first started my clothing line. And that's Gina Page, the owner of that company. And I was like, hey, Gina, you know, I got all these black people. I'm sure they, you know, be interested in your business as well. Are you interested? Yeah, sure. I'll donate a kit. And I did the same thing for Nubian Human, which is the boutique that I basically carried my clothing line for a number of years before I turned to So Creative Lounge. She was like, yeah, I'll put something together. Then I asked all of the instructors, I was like, is there anything that you want to highlight for your business during the conference? And Monica and her 15 businesses, she was like, which business should I pick for this event? I think exactly. And Carl, that's going to be for you. <laughs> exactly. So she highlighted her business, two of her businesses. And then I had Nikki. She gave something for hers. What I was loving about what you were doing is making the deliberate decision to invest in yourself, to also extend that opportunity to other folks, to other Black makers, to other Black creatives. And something I'm convinced of is that you really, it's, I find it very challenging for someone to become what they've never seen. It's hard to do something you've never seen done before. And what I appreciate so much, not just, I mean, not just about the conference, but since the very first time we met, like back in, I think it was 2018, I came up for a class. Right. And it was wonderful. And that was the first time I had ever heard anyone mention the ethical dimensions of African fabrics. And I had been sewing for 20 years. And that's because people I've been going to classes with and teach who were teaching had no information about it and less interest. But you cared about both things. And I will never forget that. That was very significant for me because I was like, see, we do it differently because we think about the supply chain. We think about all of these things. And because we are making decisions that are not, they are financial, but they're also in some ways ethical. And so I love the love ethic that was at work in the conference. I feel like you could see it throughout the day, all the little reminders that would go along the little bottom of the screen, you know, like, oh, remember, don't forget the discount code. Don't right. forget this. And then the DJ, tell us about the DJ. The D- y'all, for those of you all who missed this conference, I'm so sad. But there was a DJ who was banging during the breaks. Yeah. So that was like, can you say a bit more about that? Again, because how do you make Zoom new? Because we have been Zoomed out. We've been Zooming for school and Zooming for work and Zooming for church and Zooming for all of these things. How do you make it new? And that seemed like one of the ways that you did that. Well, I mean, the whole conference is called So Much Soul. And we're talking about soul. The first thing is like music, right? Yes. So I wanted to make sure this was continued to be a fun environment. And um, the DJ is DJ Iflevs, who's also my brother-in-law. He's just really good at what he does. So I picked the genres. I was like, you know, making sure that we stayed in who I thought would be like, you know, the genres that my my following or people that were there would be interested in. And and he just came up with his playlist and brought it to us. And I was like, yeah, this is it. This is it. it. Exactly. And, you know, actually reminding me of, I'm not sure if you had a chance to see it. I think that you did. Bisa Butler's exhibition at the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh, yeah. She has a soundtrack for every piece. Mm-hmm. And yep. I tell you what, that soundtrack really enhanced my experience so deeply. My sister had seen the, the exhibit before. And when I came, we, we played the music. And she was like, I feel like I'm seeing everything again for the first time. Because I'm playing the music that goes with, you know, because her husband's a DJ. And he did the list for it. And it was just so amazing. And so that's one of the things I was reminded of. 
when I was at listening. I was like, of course, because this is, at least for me growing up, this was a soundtrack of my life. Like all the major events, every Saturday morning for cleaning. All of that was, it was always music. It was right. always music. If I'm going to go down and sew, I'm popping on the music because I'm about to do something. I really appreciated that so much. Black Women Stitch and the Stitch Please podcast are happy to announce that we have another way to connect with our community. In addition to the IG Lives that we do every Thursday at 3 p.m., we also now have a club on Clubhouse. That's right, friends. They done messed up and given me the chance to have a club. Follow Black Women Stitch on Instagram and now on Clubhouse Thursdays at 3 p.m. on Instagram and 3.45 p.m. on Clubhouse Eastern Standard Time. And we'll help you get your stitch together. Let's talk a little bit about some of the technical aspects of doing this. How much learning or unlearning did you have to do in order to take this conference to be as big as it was? My husband took on the, he was like the Zoom manager and head of like the technology part. And my brother-in-law, who was also the DJ, he has a production company. So he works in predominantly sound and videography and such. Of course, we assisted in like, okay, we need a up top camera. We need one to show this angle. We told them what we needed, but they were the ones that were able to pull all of that together and wires going everywhere. And the monitor had like four monitors up so they could see what was going on. It was, it was a lot technically. And they were still trying to talk to me like real specific about what this thing was doing. I was like, y'all, that's just too much. I trust you and I don't need to know everything. Exactly. Exactly. But they were really trying. They were like, this camera's going to do this. And I'm like, yo, and the, the e-cam and the stream deck. And I was like, okay, what do I need to put all the stuff in my Amazon cart that I need to purchase? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> if you think it's the right thing, it's the right thing. Yes. And I will push the button to buy it. And then when it comes, I will turn it over to you. Exactly. I so. can actually even just put in your address and it'll come <laughs> right to your house. You can do the magic there. And what I love about your story, again, is going back to community and family, right? Mm-hmm. You are able to kind of put this together. Well, I think something that people tend to miss when we think about like it takes a village to raise a child or whatever, is that as one single individual person, you have limitations, right? You are excellent at sewing. You're excellent at design. You're excellent at teaching. But videography is not your bag. That's not what you are good at, right? And the, the videographer doesn't know how to sell that well as you. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's wonderful to be able to rely on your community to help bring in the things that you need. And that's another thing I believe that the conference really modeled. Like kind of showing that we're here, we're out there. At least it's something I always say. It's like, this is our ancestral craft. This is something that we are, in, we have inherited this. And so I, that's one of the things I really appreciated about your conference as a whole, but also your ethos, like your behavior, like going into it, the things that you were thinking about what you wanted the outcomes to be mm-hmm. and the kind of feeling you wanted to generate, the, the feeling you wanted to give to the community. I think that that is just very beautiful. And I thought really effectively done. I really did. I thought that was just a very strong and necessary contribution. I hear a lot of the same stories with the students that come through and they, they generally have two stories. And one is my mother and my grandmother sewed. 
but I didn't learn or, you know, I wasn't interested. And then I get another story where I learned how to sew 20, 30 years at home ec. And then I haven't done it since then. For me, I kind of feel like we're like that, what you were talking about, like the culture keeper type of thing. I feel like that our organization is here so that we can continue like the the next generation so they can get that too. My most recent thoughts as I was preparing for this conference is that it's not about sewing. Sewing isn't an essential part of life. Like you can go through your entire life without learning how to sew. It'd be a very sad life. You totally could, apparently. That is true. It is true, but but you can't go out without life. You can't go without community. You can't go without culture. You can't go without creativity. You can't go without confidence. And all these things can happen as an offshoot of just learning, spending the time with the needle and thread and learning how to create. And so that's what the real basis of what the work that we do is about. I saw that this morning in the newsletter where you identified three pillars of not just the So Much Soul Conference or So Create Bob, but the entire enterprise that you were engaged in is based on, you said, the three pillars of, I remember, creativity, confidence, and... Community. Community. We talked about the community, 10,000 people with interest in actual, you know, work, people, you know, 1,000 people like on, which is huge. It's wonderful, right? That's beautiful community. And then the creativity, all the different beautiful sessions that were going from like, what are the good interfacings and what are the... Doc- I, I know I was definitely involved in that conversation. I was all up in the chat telling people, that's braggity. Don't use that. Use this instead. I'm trying to help you. So we saw that creativity there. But tell us about the confidence. The confidence. I think the confidence piece is important. Can mm-hmm. you say more about why confidence is an important feature for the conference and for your project overall. So people come in with these thoughts, they can't do it, like they can't make anything or they or they get locked up if they make a mistake and then they like withdraw like this, they're not able to do something. But I always push them like, yo, just sew that line straight. And then I'm like, don't think about the whole big picture beyond it. If you just sew that one little line, we're going to get to the next step. And then when they finally release that, and, and actually just do the things, the steps that I'm doing, and they see the final product, it's like their whole face, it lights up. And that's the piece, that's the confidence that I'm talking about. And it doesn't matter, and I say this all the time, it doesn't matter whether the, it's a child six, seven years old or a woman of like 70 years old, it's the same look. It's the same look, the same response. And that confidence, especially for our younger children, exudes over into other parts of life. So if they feel like, yeah, if I sit down and concentrate and work on this, they could do it in the sewing studio, but they can also do it in the classroom. They could do it in a swimming pool. They could do it on the soccer field or whatever else they're working on. Once you got confidence, you can do anything. Amen. And one of the things I love about confidence and having confidence as one of the strategies is that it also is an important counter narrative to these stories that want to tell and limit Black kids and Black folks or that limit folks in general about certain things like you can't do it. You're too old. You're too old to do this. You can't learn to sew now. You're an adult. If you really wanted to learn, you should learn when you were a baby you know, or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. That's not true. That is a lie that someone is either has been told or has told themselves to undermine their confidence before they even begin. So I really appreciate the idea of confidence as a form of almost like a therapeutic practice that allows people to claim something powerful and innate 
within themselves, that's a light that will never be extinguished. And that's something that I really appreciate that you kind of you know picked up on in such a really, really beautiful way. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> really fantastic. I was wondering about your own growth as an entrepreneur and as someone who has had to weather the storms of struggles at the brick and mortar shop when COVID hit and things are shutting down. And it looks like, I'm wondering if the Cecily from March of 2020 would have imagined that in September of 2021, 10,000 people would sign up to find out more information on what she was doing and that a thousand of them would come through see what she was up to. Tell me a bit, can you, can you remember, can you go back to what March 2020 was like? And it was like, what do you mean all my stuff is canceled? What do you mean people can't be, what? Tell me a bit about that distance. March 2020, exactly on my birthday, March 16th, we closed our studio. And the few days before I had a couple interns come in, I said, can you just take pictures of all the fabric we have? Because we need to close for about two weeks, okay? And I need to make sure that we can pay our rent April 1st. So let's open this online store. They went, okay, Cecily, and took the pictures. We put it up on the website. That Monday, March 16th, I opened the online store, right? By the end of the week, I started making a few masks because we weren't doing much. You know, kids were home or whatever. And the Washington Post called me and they said, can we come take a picture of you making some masks? And I said, okay, let me come take a picture. I meet me in my studio three minutes away. I'll go take a picture. The next day, someone calls the studio number and says, hey, I saw your picture in the paper. Are you making masks for sale? I said, give me five minutes. I'm going to put it on my website. (laughs) So I put it up on my website. Over the next course of maybe three, four days, the administration said, you now need to wear masks regardless of if you were sick or not. Everybody should wear masks. And so everybody scrambled. And overnight, we had orders for like a few thousand masks. I think it was like two, three thousand masks. So from there, you know, we just started doing this mask making production. So that was the beginning of like, okay, I didn't get too much in that woe is me point because as soon as like the studio closed, the mask making started. So it was fine. I did not imagine even a few weeks, like a month ago, I didn't imagine 10,000 people. My goal was like, let's try to get 2000 people to register for the conference. And we can get a couple hundred people to actually participate. That was the goal. And when it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, I was like, oh my gosh, like so much to the point where I was like, Maddie, that's my husband. I said, we have to call Zoom because the Zoom room only holds a thousand people. And there's a chance we may go over that, in, you know, in terms of concurrent people yeah. in the room. So no, I didn't imagine it being that big. From March of last year, So now our community started changing because of our online store. We started reaching a lot more people and having the online classes. It wasn't until maybe a few weeks ago. I was like, oh, this is real out here. Like, yes, you designed the logo. And yes, you had shirts and swag. And yes, you had that. that, But then it took, you're like, oh, wait, this is actually going to happen now. (laughs) It's like, I prepared for success and it's happening. Yes, exactly, exactly. Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask about the scholarship. That was the thing that really just touched my heart so much. Just thinking about it gives me shivers. I don't know why. I think it's because I know that higher education is expensive. I thought how it was 50000 a year because that's how Columbia is $78,000 a year. Like school is expensive. Private school and how it is private. Private school is expensive. And so I was like, 
wow, that she's kind of like, this is someone who has benefited and who loves and supports her institution, who got so much out of it. And she wants to provide that for someone else. I mean, just, you know, really. (laughs) Teach one, just like, hey, y'all, we can help. We can really help change someone's life. Talk a little bit more about that, about what made you start in that path. Yeah, so I I think that the biggest thing, especially with the interns, is that they come through to me. They have really good design skills. Their sewing is kind of like, ah, you know, they're learning. So when they come to us, we try to make sure that they get their their confidence up in terms of actually being able to sew properly, right? Yes. But then they leave me and then I'm looking at the field of where these kids going to work. In D.C., there's really not a lot of opportunities for a fashion designer unless you're trying to build it on your own. And so I was happy that one of my interns, when I opened my position for my first full-time person, I looked at one of my past interns and was like, you are the one that I want to bring in here. And so really, I'm like, as I'm building So Creative and hopefully hiring more people, I want us to be a place where they say, hey, if you're in this fashion design, this is a place that an avenue that you can go to. So part of that is the internship. And then other part is helping and supporting them while they're at school. So those are the major things that brought us to doing the scholarship fund. So before I let you go, what do you have next up? Tisha and I have some thoughts of what we would do. We are planning another event in the spring, but we still got to work out the logistics and all that before we announce it. But you can expect another version of this in the spring. Oh, that's fun. Well, that's wonderful. Okay, y'all, listen up. We get, get ready to get ready for another event in the spring, just like the very, very successful So Much Soul Conference. I've been talking today with Cecily Habimana from the So Creative Lounge and the Creative Genius behind this fantastic So Much Soul Conference. Thank you so much, Cecily. This has been really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And you can find Black Women Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts, and other things to strengthen the podcast. And finally, if financial support is not something you can do right now, you can really, really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them. So I know that not all podcast directories or services allow for reviews, but for those who do, for those that have like a star rating or just ask for a few comments, if you could share those comments and say nice things about us at the Stitch Please podcast, that is incredibly helpful. Thank you so much. Come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together. Oh,